Welcome to Define You Radio, the place to be for real talk and real tips to help you define your personal and professional life. Class is in session with your host, the Southern Belle of Bold, Valencia Griffin Wallace. Pens and papers ready. Class is now in session. Well, hello and welcome to Define You Radio, classes in session. I am your host, the Southern Belle of Bold, Valencia Griffin-Wallace. Y'all know I'm in Louisiana. It was an extremely hot day, but you know what? We have a hot show to match I'm really excited about. So make sure you guys are subscribed and connected to all things Define You by visiting www.valenciagwallace.com. That'll tell you everything you need to know about the show, about me, and everything else. So this month's series, we're talking about asking permission. And if you know anything about me, you know I don't like to ask permission. I've spent too much of my life asking permission. Well, classes in session tonight with someone who definitely doesn't ask permission. He has a very interesting point of view that I think you guys definitely better have your uh, pens and papers ready because class is truly in session with the AHA guy, Mr. Mitchell Levy, and I hope I said that correct, of AHAVAT.com. Mr. Mitchell, y'all know I throw Mr. and Mrs. in front of everything, okay? So Mr. Mitchell empowers thought leaders to share their genius. He is a small businessman. I'm not going to say entrepreneurial because y'all know I fight with that word. Um, He has created 20 businesses in Silicon Valley. Now, some of y'all hadn't even started one. I have questions, including four publishing companies that have published over eight hundred books. Somebody needs to do the math. I want to know what does that average out in a year's time. He is a TEDx speaker and international best-selling author with 59 business books. So like I said, class is definitely in session tonight. Mr. Mitchell, welcome to the show. (laughs) Great to be here. So I'm talking with the (laughs) Southern Belle. I like that. Yes, I am the um the the Southern Belle. If when anyone hears me talk or sees me uh speak or anything of that nature, I'm very southern. Uh but if you think about the quote unquote traditional Southern Belle, the last thing people think is a black woman with a loud mouth that tends to like sharing her opinion with others. That's so almost uh anti Southern Belle. So Yeah, that's me all day. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) So, uh, so how are you doing this this evening? I'm doing fantastic, thank you. Uh, Good day so far. Well, that's always good to know. That's that's good. I'm really excited about tonight's uh, show. So, one of the things that that we discussed on you know before was about thought leadership. Because a lot of people use that term without exactly knowing what it means. You know, we're like, okay, I'm a thought leader without knowing what it means. So what exactly is a thought leader? Ah, Well, I don't know if there's exactly a term for thought leadership, but I have given a definition that I could share. A, uh, and, awesome. and what's happened is over time, the definition of thought leader has absolutely changed. And one of the things, if somebody wants to see more information, um, I actually did a TED Talk where I talked about the, the title of the TED Talk is Being Seen and Being Heard as a Thought Leader. So by definition, I needed to give a definition. And uh, so you could just Google uh, Mitchell Levy TED Talk or Being Seen and Being Heard as a Thought Leader, and you'll see the, the TED Talk and also the, the book that I did to complement that. And when I think about thought leadership, I think about first the old days. So we are in this massive transformation from the industrial age society to the social age. And in the industrial age, when there was not an internet, we were given our thought leaders. So we were told 
who we were going to listen to by the by the radio companies, the recording studios. We were told who we were going to read by the publishers, so the books that they publish, and we were told who we were going to see on TV and the big screen by the broadcast media. And what the thought leader of the past was a person who represented, who knew everything, who stood on top of the mountain and said, jump, and their flock would say how high. And what's happened is we now have this thing called the Internet, and everyone, uh, including this show, everyone who wants to has a microphone, everyone who wants to has a camera or a video recorder, and you could create your own show. And in that world, we, we're interested in people if what they're saying is valuable and it's done in such a way that's constructive. And so when I think about thought leadership, what I'll say is, and I have a definition of that that I often give, and it's, it's uh, if you can imagine a two-by-two, two, so basically a, a quadrant with four areas, thought leadership is audience by content. So if in the lower left-hand quadrant, if you have no audience and no content, you're just unknown. In the upper left-hand quadrant, if you have a large audience, but your content is relatively narrow, so you... Uh, You've got a large number of people following you, but a small number of things you're saying. I call that the evangelist. And in the past, business evangelists were called for. But nowadays what happens is if your content is so narrow, you don't really appear to have integrity. If you don't have integrity, you don't have trust. If you don't have trust, uh, you completely have no interest in dealing with that person. So business evangelism is not as big as it once was. In the bottom right-hand side, it's somebody who has a very narrow audience or a small audience, but a good amount of content. And that is most of the people who are listening to the show, just the expert. Everyone has expertise in a particular area. And what the thought leader is, and what I want to do is also add another term, thought leader as well as recognized expert. So when your expertise for what you have starts growing and you have the, a good audience a good amount of content in a good audience, then you are the recognized expert in your space or the thought leader. Now, here's what's interesting. The audience doesn't have to be the worldwide audience to be a thought leader or a recognized expert. It's the audience that you actually do business with or the audience that you need to know. So whether or not that's a, a county or a city or a state or a country or the world, those are different levels of audience you need to go after. And the thought leader has the right amount of content they're sharing to the right audience. And so it's important that you, anyone who wants to, well, it's not that easy, but not that hard. Anyone who wants to can get recognized as the expert of who they are. And what's important is to narrow your niche and define the audience you want to go after because it's a lot easier to go after a smaller audience than it's a larger audience. And once again, you don't have to get on the World Wide Web and share information with the world. You just want to share information with those that are very specific to the audience you want to go after. Does that make sense? De definitely it does to me. Um, it, and the thing, a few things that you touched on, and just real quick, can you explain content for people that don't know they're absorbing content, but just to kind of uh, hit on exactly ah. what is content for for the uh, for the everyday regular people. You know, I need I need a ding 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 button because I've done over three hundred <laughs> shows, and that's the first time anyone's ever asked me to define content. So mm. in yay. So this is maybe your thank hey, good job. So this is maybe the Silicon <laughs> Valley person speaking. Um, content is anything that you're absorbing. There's both good content and bad content. So whether it's somebody speaking, that would be considered content. Um, typically, though, what when companies are using it, the term refers to uh, the content may represent what sits on the website. Uh, what goes into blog posts, uh, articles are content, books are content, radio shows, um, video shows, TV shows. Those are all content. Not all content is good content. You know, sit around watching content. You know, you, you can't go home now 
and, and tell your, your spouse or your kids or your parents, depending on your age, hey, I'm, I'm watching content. Uh, Mr. Levy told me it was okay. I need to absorb as much content as possible. And that doesn't mean you could sit around the TV and watch content all day, but that would be considered content. Thank you for, for explaining that. We are uh, constantly absorbing content. And a lot of times when people first um, say, hey, I, I'm a leader, I want to do this, and they, and they start uh, posting random stuff, and that's content, but that's not content geared towards who you're trying to attract, so to speak. So for those Oh, well who, said. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I so that's a lot. So, so, and, and, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what ahead. I say you're is the expert. No, 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 no. You're you're fantastic. You 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 got this. You got this down. You got the terms and the thoughts and the <laughs> ideas. And what's important is that when you're sharing content. So, for instance, uh, sharing a tweet is sharing content. Sharing a Facebook post is sharing content. So, if you want to be seen as the expert in your space. Well, well, let's step back and we'll look, at, we'll look at the big picture. When you were young and you had a cold or stubbed your toe or cut yourself, you went to your own personal thought leader, which was uh, if you had a mom, you went to mom or you went to dad or your grandparents. You went to the person who was available who you knew could solve your problem. Well, by definition, they're your recognized expert. They're your thought leaders, right? And so the – it was very easy there for you to identify who you should go to for each problem, each issue you had. Now, when you're in business, you want people to be coming to you when they, if you're a doctor, when they stub their toe or hurt themselves or have a cold. But depending on the situation you, you have, whatever business you're in, you want to be able to share good, compelling content that is relevant to the audience you want to attract. So as you mentioned you don't want to share everything, right? So, for instance, you'll never see me talk about politics. Now, I may privately talk about politics. I may in family meetings talk about politics. But online, unless it actually affects the business we're in. So during election times, you may have me talking about politics, particularly if one could newsjack a political situation to their advantage as a thought leader. We can come back to that if you want to know those terms. Uh, I may do that, but typically you don't hear me talking about politics because that's not my brand, right? right. And so what's important as, as an expert is that you actually know what your brand is, and the brand is how do you represent yourself. And if you've seen my TED Talk, one of the big components of my brand, I, I'll say what I do. I'm, I'm the AHA guy from AHA. I empower experts and thought leaders to share their genius. Well, that's my brand. So almost anything that empowers somebody to share their genius, their expertise is something I'm interested in. But what that means is I, there are many things that are not, that don't fit that, right? So I could share, if I'm working with an author and they're in real estate, I might share the author's books and talk about real estate, but otherwise I'm not going to talk about real estate. That makes sense, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think a lot of people um, get confused with with that part, because if you look on social media, um, you somebody will post um, positive quotes, you know, in line with their brand one day, next thing something happens in the news or in the world, and they're sharing that. Well, you're sharing it to the same audience. And to me, um, and it's kind of kind of like a roundabout way to get to my next question, but you're sharing it so where I may respect what you say about business, you've thrown in this whole political thing that I don't know, like, or trust you for. Mm. So when we talk about that no like, and trust factor, which to me is um, – almost like that's like the foundation of building your your brand and your business and your content. What exactly does that mean? No like trust. I know what it means, but 
people don't understand that that is those are the things that make you make or break you. Because I could know so, you and not like you. Exactly. So, Valencia, so, <laughs> I have to tell you, this is my this is my fourth radio interview in two days. And and number three, which was this morning, he said, how'd your last two go? And I said, oh, my God, they went amazing. And he says, well, and at the end of the interview, he goes, Mitchell, I didn't break the streak, did I? And I said, no, no, you did a great streak. And I could just tell you from the beginning of this conversation, you were going to make four for four. So you're going to put a lot of pressure on the next radio person that I'm going to be with. So. Uh, Yay. So congratulations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> congratulations. Well, I like your thinking process and your questions. Uh, you know, the important part, when I, when I started doing the TED Talk, and I have to tell you, if you ever get a chance to do something like that, it was transformational for me. Because I, I don't, we as humans, we don't normally spend so much time on one single event. You know, I, I stand on the board of a, of a public company. Like when you do big events, like big financings or an IPO, or uh, I did a Kickstarter in 2016, you spend a lot of time there. But on a presentation, I've probably given thousands of presentations. I've never given as much time and attention to the TED Talk because of the legacy that's associated with that. And what I wanted to do is tell people that we are doing that transformation between the the industrial age society to the social age and in the social age, what's important. And, and as much as I was trying to find things to think about what it ultimately gravitated to was that concept of being known, liked and trusted. And so the being known part is that it it goes back to the definition of thought leadership. It's, it's important to be, have expertise in what you do, where people want to pay you for what you do. It's also more important that people recognize that you have expertise. That's the known piece of it. The like part is, generally speaking, and I'd say if you think about the industrial age, it it didn't really matter that you liked the person. It it was the only game in town or it was the game in town. Uh, uh, A case, an example, back back to the uh, 1920s and 30s, uh, when Ford first came out with their car, you had to like black because that was the only color you can get, <laughs> right? So um, there, in, in those days, the like or dislike doesn't matter. In today's world, think about what happened with Uber. Think about what happens with a number of companies that, are, that have fallen into the Me Too movement. And it is important that you are like these days. Because if you're doing practices that are not acceptable with society, the consumer now has a voice, and that voice is only getting stronger. And that strong voice will transform how a company is perceived. If they're perceived poorly, that could be extremely negative to the company itself. So the like part, what I often talk about is one of the best ways to be liked is to actually care about other people. I know that sounds really simple, and this is one of those things that mom or grandma told you when you were growing up, and that was, hey, if you actually care about somebody else and listen to what they say, you'll be a better human, and subsequently, you have a better chance of being liked, right? And so the like part is important because if you're not liked, and and actually, this was one of those things that were really interesting. I was on a show with a financial advisor this morning. And he pointed out something really important to me. He goes, Mitchell, you would think that most clients that come into the office would, would choose trust over like in terms of who, what financial advisor they use. Right? So if you knew two financial advisors and that you, both, you knew them both well, which is more important, like or trust? And uh, without thinking about it, I would have – instantly gone to trust. And his response was, no, no, it's really like, it's really interesting to choose the financial advisor, the person you're going to be spending time with off and on for, if you're lucky, if you're lucky, the rest of your life, you got to like them. And that was a very important point to me. And I've got to spend more time and energy thinking about and, and maybe documenting and writing that. And, and on the trust part, so we all know what it means. So we could, I could talk about more techniques for getting known. 
Um, you now got a good understanding about like. Let's talk about trust. When I spent a lot of time thinking about trust, and there's all these different models and a lot of great books on trust, uh, what I ultimately did is I came up with three elements that really help us decide whether or not we trust somebody. And, and those components in the business sense are integrity, authenticity, and vulnerability. Now, like, like I said, in the old days, I don't think our thought leaders of the past had any of that stuff. Most of them had integrity. We assumed they had authenticity, and none of them had vulnerability. In the old days, the thought leader was right and everyone else was wrong, right, period. And that's what the publishers wanted. That's what the broadcast media wanted. In today's world, the coolest thing you could possibly do when you're on the air is say, you know, I don't know the answer to that. Hey, do you know the answer? <laughs> right? I mean, showing vulnerability, showing that you don't know it all, and part of the reason why that's important is when you're sharing content, it is absolutely okay to share your competitor's content, assuming it's positive content. I wouldn't share your competitor's negative content, once again, because that's, that's not a brand of a person who I want to do business with. But right. if you're sharing your competitor's content, you're showing me that you're aware of what's going on in the world. You know in cases where some people might be better with your competitor versus you, it's really the, uh, if you think about Miracle on 34th Street, it's the Kris Kringle approach to doing business, hmm. right? And, and that's part of that is vulnerability. It also shows integrity because if you say, I want my customers to be the best, have the best results possible, and you know your competitor can give better results in a particular area, we have two choices. Well, you have three choices. One is you could just lie about it and say you're the best. Uh, not showing integrity will ultimately bite you in the butt. Uh, two, you could actually start working in that area and improve it so you can become as good or better. Or three, and this is my recommendation, recommend your competitor. Because if you're recommending your competitor for a particular area, your client most likely will come back to you for everything else. And that's a really powerful thing. And then, of course, the authenticity, at the end of the day, it's really simple. I, I've always used this model, say what you do and do what you say. So if I have a contract with somebody, I'm going to live by that contract. If I have a handshake contract with somebody and I say something, I'm going to live by that contract. Kind of how we used to do business in the agricultural age in those olden days. And that's authenticity and that integrity and that vulnerability, if you exude that, people will trust you. And that's the part of the know, like, and trust. And if people trust you, they, those are the types of things, when they know, like, and trust you, then what happens and you continue to demonstrate that trust and do things that they like, that's when they start recommending you to their friends. Because nobody wants to recommend exactly. somebody who ultimately won't be liked or won't be trusted. I, I love that you said that part um, because I was just thinking about different people I've done business with to radio show guests, to people I interact with. And a lot of times people will ask me, you know, hey, I'm doing this. Is there someone you could recommend? Or I'm thinking about doing this. Is there a business you recommend? And it has a lot. It's a lot of times, you know. Okay, I know know the brand or know the person. I like them, and at one point, I trusted them until I did business with them. I still know you and like you, but I no longer trust you. Mm. So that goes to uh, <laughs> that happens. It. In, in, in business, in, in, in life, um, and to me, it could lead to a downfall of a thought leader because I no longer trust your thoughts or your actions. <laughs> um, Touche. <laughs> well said. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I'm sure Aaron, all you're saying, this is what's really interesting. Mm -hmm. All you're saying is what, Mom used to teach us when we were young. 
right? That old adage of be a nice kid, grow up and do what you say and say what you do and be nice to others and all that. I mean, those are things that we learn when we're young and somehow through the educational system and through our jobs and through industrial age concepts, we kind of forgot that as a society. And to me, when we move back into the social age, the people who are successful today are the people who you end up, think about the icons you're looking at or the people that came out of nowhere and grew. Now, some of them is because society is silly. Um, so let's yeah. putting those, those, those folks aside. Um, the people that you want to recommend to others and do business with are people you know, like, and trust. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So I want to talk about um, this whole thing about um, a thought leader's genius. Um, (laughs) Cause Hey, I want to know, am I smart or, or am I a genius and should I be sharing it? I have questions. So what exactly do you mean when you use the term genius in, in regards (laughs) to a thought leader? (laughs) No, I appreciate it. Or anybody. I appreciate that. You know, the, one of the things that I've done with the book series, Aha That, is I, at the end of the day, what I've done is I've allowed people to press the easy button. So we'll, we'll talk more about that as we, as we move forward. And an Aha book is comprised of 140 bite-sized quotes and seven blog posts. So hmm. this is not, think about what books used to be. And I'm, I'm going to answer you the question on genius, and you'll see how it ties together. What books used to be is that vehicle where people would go to learn about doing something. And still, when you're in high school and college, you're still, books are still used that way. However, my son's in college. They use a lot more than books. And I have to tell you one thing that's unique. If you're somebody who's 25 or younger, when you go to learn something, in the past, you, you would call up your dad or your mom or, you, you know, one of your friends who did something. Uh, you might actually look at a book. Nowadays, if you want to learn something, you go to YouTube and you say, hey, is there a video I could watch? And that's the first place people go. And so books at the moment are now, in my mind, no longer used as an educational vehicle because they really are a commodity item. And the most, if, if you take a, if you have a book that takes three years to write, by the time it's published, I, by the way, even if you did a book that takes a couple months to write, by the time it's published, the content's mostly out of date because you can go to the internet and get the most current content. So what's interesting is if you did the Evelyn Wood speed reading of a book, if you pulled out the salient points, if you pulled out the things that really captures somebody's attention and includes them or incorporates them or motivates them to take an action, that's what I consider the genius. So the 140 bite-sized quotes are really the genius that somebody has on a particular topic. So I'll give you an example of what genius is. Um, This is difficult because I'll I'll, I'll have to get some other people's books. Let me tell you about mine. Um, I did a book uh, that's associated with a TED Talk. It's called Being Seen and Being Heard as a Thought Leader. And what I did in that book is I actually interviewed four other thought leaders because I often think that 80% of the content we share should be somebody else's. So I interviewed four other people for a half hour each, and two hours worth of interview is enough to create an aha book. And I want to share what Robert Clancy said. So I've got four other folks. I've got somebody who uh, basically manages a group of 1,000 thought leaders. I've got the person who runs thought leadership for Cisco, And I actually have a real Swami in my book. And then I've got uh, Robert Clancy. Robert has a half million followers on Facebook. And he's got aha number four in the book. So this is a good representation of of pulling somebody's genius. And what Robert says is that good thought leaders are at the top of the mountain. Great thought leaders are at the bottom of the mountain helping others climb up. That's kind of powerful, isn't it? Yes. So – when you hear that, so, so this is what an aha message is. When you hear it, what you say to yourself is, oh, I need to do that. Or in this case, am I doing that? Did I do that today? Uh, do I have plans to do that tomorrow? Is that who I am? Am I going to be the thought leader I need to be, right? 
That's what the message does. I've got 139 other messages like that in my book. In my mind, if you read the book, you only need to read two or three or four aha messages, and you go, oh, man, I, I, I want to talk to this Mitchell Levy guy. And this is true for the 300 other books we've published in this series, is that it's pulling out the genius, it's pulling out those bite-sized elements that really capture the crux of what people are talking about. And it really captures the pure element that makes you think about, is this, is this the right thing? Does that make sense? Hmm. Yeah, it's like all, all stuff, no fluff. You know, yeah. it's, it's getting, well, to oh, the, exactly. uh, <laughs> getting to the, uh, the entree, not all the appetizer, the dessert, the salad, everything is getting straight to the meal. And, and I love well, that, and it makes sense. By the way, beautifully said. I, let me give you another one since I didn't want to just quote my book. This is a woman by the name of Laura Sokola. Laura has a TED Talk that has 4.8 million views. Crazy. And she did a book called Maximize Your Leadership Influence. And so I'm just going to read. I open the book. I'm going to read AHA number one because this, this, uh, this tells a story about Laura. AHA number one says, leadership is an image. If people don't perceive you as a true leader, you're just the boss. Mm. Or rather, so that's aha. interesting. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I still need to do my ding. Wait, I could do this button, but I don't think I, I do my money button. But that's not okay. the same as the ding, 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 ding button. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> that is that's, that is like a hundred and fifty percent true. You know, um, but in in this age of hashtag girl boss, hashtag boss this, boss that, you rarely see the hashtag woman leader, hashtag uh, thought leader, hashtag conscious leader. It's everybody wants to be a boss, and that's part of the problem today. Everybody Mm. wants to be a boss. I think the cool part, (laughs) if if you're – thinking about the way the world really is, the really cool part is the servant leadership mentality that many thought leaders have. And, yep. and for me, what that means is there are many projects and many things I do where I'm the leader. And at any point in time, somebody else steps up to the plate and they take over the leadership. And by leadership, I mean project leadership. At any point in time, anyone wants to take over project leadership, I am so happy to get out of the way. So it's something that I encourage all of my people who work for me to do because I want them to tell me what to do. So for me, my calendar is open to everyone on my team. And, and one of the things I'm gonna, I do is once a year, we take a four-week holiday. So we'll be in, uh, starting next week, we'll be in uh, Edinburgh for the month. And what happens during those times is I stop my one-on-ones, and what I just say is, hey, listen, if you need me, just ring me and, and, uh, and put, put your time on my calendar. And if it's emergency, let me know. Otherwise, you guys have all authority to do what you need to do. And the thing is that, yes, they're the boss of their own process. And to me, if somebody owns a process, they are the boss even though, you know, technically they work for me. In that particular situation, I'm happy to say I work for them. I'm supporting them to be successful. And I think the, what people, the industrial age society was really hierarchical. We, we gave value and credit to somebody who was the boss, who, who, who was the person who said hired or fired or, or told us what to do or jump and we say how high and and I want to hire people that when I say jump, they say why, not how high. And, and I also want to hire people who are happy to take, you know, at least have that no like, and trust. So if they're uncomfortable taking over a project, that they say so. And if I say, hey, can you take over this project? And they say, no, I don't feel comfortable. I'm like, okay, right? And, and I think what's, what's happening in the world I've got a I've got a 20 year old son who uh, went into a work environment, 
And he was able to accomplish in a day and a half what an outside vendor quoted 15000 and two months to do. And, wow. and so the interesting part is why wouldn't you want to have people like that running, running different aspects of what you do? And so to recognize, if you're in business today, to recognize that you're not the be-all, end-all expert of everything – and to allow people to take over and exert their influence and their expertise in their area, that makes sense. And that, so that I'm, hopefully I didn't contradict your statement. It's really that in any given working day, you could be the boss on, in one minute and you could be part of a project who's looking up to a boss who may be somebody who reports a couple of levels down from you, but they're the boss if they're running the project. You could be that person the next minute. And I think that's part of the, that type of flexibility in the way we do business today because we want to empower those that are working with us, for us, above us. We want to empower them to be successful. That's what the social age is all about. Uh, something that you said that I love was um, I think it was the quote you said from Laura or similar to that, but – I know I read it somewhere that the best uh, leaders know how to know how to serve. Like you can't lead without knowing how to serve. And that is how I look at things. And you said, you know, the term servant leadership, a lot of leaders don't, they're missing, missing that. They're missing that mm. factor of, of serving. And to me, I'm a better leader because I because I do know how to serve and I do listen and to me that's why I embrace you know being called a, a thought leader or I've been called a conscious game changer. I'm still figuring that one out, um, but I, I haven't like been called. I know I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to start using that as soon as I could define exactly, you know, because. <laughs> what that means But I haven't been called bossy Since I was a little girl So to me it was like a growing process From from bossy To boss to leadership So I just had to throw those mm. Two cents out there With that um, I love a Conscious writing. game changer I like that Just, just, just thinking That's kind of cool So it, it depends on how those words are being used. So you can either say you're a game changer who happens to be conscious about that, right? That's one way to look at it. Or right. you're a game changer helping people realize and wake up, realize their consciousness, right? Those are both that completely is... different components. I like the latter well, one, by the way. Right. And um, it was, done in response I mean it was said in response to one of my Facebook lives or posts or something so um, I'm like okay that I was like oh consciously changing the game I understand that it's kind of like being the southern belle but I'm really kind of anti what society typically thinks of a southern belle you know so I embrace that title I love Hmm. to write Mr. Mitchell I love to write. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what what are your thoughts on on writers? Like you know, what what are your thoughts about writing period? <laughs> so so I, <laughs> I I have a very strong opinion for somebody who doesn't make money writing or somebody who doesn't make money as a publisher. So in in today's world, there is so much pressure from around the world. There's so much competition everywhere. There's the, the importance of being known really means that if you are in business today, if you're running a business in any way or you're in business or you even are part of, part of the team of a smaller business, you are by definition a salesperson. You are by definition a marketing person. And, and by the way, you're also by definition a project leader because if you can't get your stuff organized, you can't get things done. And so as a sales and marketing and project leader, 
the first task, particularly the first task of any CEO until you get to a company that's over $100 million in revenue, that task is generating revenue. And so any amount of time that's spent on something that's not directly revenue generating is not really a good use of time. So what I would say is anyone who's this, if, if you have the, the money to afford a service like we have, and it's not that much money, but if you have a money to afford that, what I actually do in the aha that process is I'll do a two-hour interview to extract your genius. I then send that interview over to our writers who have gone through a writing school. They're going to write the content for you, the 140 aha messages and, and seven blog posts. And then you get to review, you know, you make suggestions on the cover, you write the introduction, the forward, uh, if you wanted to get someone to do a forward with you, um, the acknowledgments, dedication. And in essence, you're going to spend about five hours pulling your book together, two hours interview, probably three hours review. And typically, if, on the other hand, if you're going to write the book yourself, a 120-page book takes about 120 hours. And then if you're going to publish the book yourself, Typically, we save uh, authors 200 hours in the types of things that we do on the publishing side. So now, if you add those two together, that's 320 hours. So 320 hours if you decide to do it right and publish yourself versus five hours where we actually do all the publishing for you, we do the writing for you, you do the review, and we create a good compelling book. And we do our books in hardcover, paperback. We do color on the inside, Kindle, uh, PDF. We also deliver Amazon best-selling status. So we do an Amazon best-selling campaign as part of what we do. And so that's five hours. So now imagine if you're in business today, your job is sales and marketing, and you spend, you buy one of our uh, book packages and you spend five hours. Now you take that difference between the five hours and the 320 hours, and you spend 315 hours with your Amazon best-selling book, basically marketing your company, think about what that will do for you and your company and the amount of revenue bring in the door. And so I'm not against people writing. People write for cathartic reasons. People write for a number of different reasons. But sometimes the excuse of, hey, I need to sit down and write a blog post gets in the way of, I need to sit down and call a prospect. And if, if you really want to have a successful business, you need to be marketing and selling yourself. And uh, that's because if you don't, somebody else in the world will. But I want to be Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we that, that many was my of us. dream growing up to be the uh, oh. black female version of Stephen King. Oh, that would okay, be so cool. I just cool. had to throw that out there. <laughs> No, no, I, I, you know, that is the, uh, so we, we've been publishing since 2005 and I've had five uh, prospective authors because I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't publish an author who said this, who, who left voicemails or sent me an email that said their book, their concept is so powerful, it can, it's going to sell more copies than the Bible. And, you know, it's really hard to work with somebody like that because their expectations right. are so out of control, right? So the thing is, it, there was a time and age, you know, in the, in the thought leader space 20, 20 plus years ago where there was that occasional person plucked out of the blue, became the thought leader, and they sold a ton of books, and life was great. That doesn't really happen today. You know, getting to be the, the J.K. Rowling is – is a higher odds of achieving that than winning the lottery. It, it doesn't mean that if you're, if you're young and, and your job is not to generate revenue for your family, that doesn't mean you shouldn't write. I don't want to take that away from people. It doesn't mean that if you have a hobby of writing that you still write. If you have a story you need to tell and cathartically one of the most important things you could do is write, then please do. I don't want to stop people from writing. But I do want to say, if you're in business today, you have one job if you're running a company, and that is to get that next client. And you're not going to get the next client by writing that next article, right? You, maybe, you know, if 
you happen to write articles and you have amazing distribution and people read your articles and say, they say, hey, I want to hire you, well, hey, then that's a good model. But if not, then what you need to be thinking about is, well, how can I get this thought leadership in place in such a way that I can actually now share this book that happens to be an Amazon best-selling book with the type of prospects who might want to hire me, and then I can actually meet with them, share the book, talk to them, and once they know who I am and they get to like and trust me, that they end up hiring me. So it's a little, a little bit um, – like I said, I, I, I don't want to scare the pants out of people who are writers. It's just simply sometimes that's an excuse from the business not doing well. I'd say, you know, knock on the door, make the phone calls, get people to get to know, like, and trust you and, and sell yourself. And uh, don't let the fact that you have to write a book or write a blog post get in the way. Mm. I love that part. I wrote down a hundred million uh, as once I make a hundred million, then I could write as a hobby, possibly. <laughs> I think that was the figure, figure you said about you know business generating uh, income, um, revenue, and it's yeah. I wrote that down because I just <laughs> what's a nice goal to be visualizing. Right, right. You know, I'm still you know forty is the new thirty. So if forty is the new thirty, I'm thirty one. Um, so I have time, but uh, that's that's very interesting, and that is something a lot of people need to chew up. And I think it's also a lot of I love that you you were brutally honest with it because a lot of quote I'm using my air quotes, guys. Y'all know about my air quotes. I'm using my air quotes. A lot of um, coaches mentors, quote-unquote, thought leaders say you need to write a book because you need a product. So then you get people spending uh, an arm and a thigh on a book that goes nowhere and doesn't generate a dollar. You know, thinking well, that that's this what, is that's, well, that's the important. That's the important thing. Books, just think about this. If you're in business today, you're, you definitely need to have a book. Your book mm. is not where your revenue comes from. Right? It's not about how many books ever sell. It's about how many prospects you can put. put. Now, I didn't say sell. How many prospects you could take your book and put in their hands, and they look at you and they look at their book and they go, oh, that's the problem I have. Maybe you could help me. Tell me more. And that's what a book is used for. Love it. Love, love it. And that's about, because I did watch the TED Talk. And I took notes from it, and um, I wish we oh, had I like remember a whole you, other you held hour. up you held up your pages. You had a couple pages of notes. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I'm a note taker. Anyone that knows me know I am very much a note taker. Hence me being a writer. Hence me wanting to be um, the black female version of Stephen King as a little girl. So um, I I did take notes, and I loved every. Thing you said from the TED Talk hints me knowing the aha. See, <laughs> just thought I'd <laughs> well, throw, that, thank you. throw that out there. So, no, I appreciate if, if, that. If people, if thought leaders, um, shouldn't necessarily spend their time and a million hours writing a book, a lot of times they spend a whole lot of time on social media. And mm. uh, so I definitely, and I'm, I'm hashtag guilty on, on that. Hashtag I'm working on it. Five minutes a day, <laughs> social media. How, oh, yeah, you want me to talk about that? Work? Yeah. Oh, I would love for you oh. to, to hit on it. <laughs> Ab- absolutely. Oh, you know, as you were talking, you, you gave me an aha. And so let me just tell you, if you're in business today and you're a thought leader, there's one really good reason to write a book, and that is mm-hmm. if you could spend the time interviewing your prospects on a particular issue or problem and help to generate new thought leadership. And by the way, as you're generating new thought leadership, you're actually talking to existing customers and new prospects about a particular area. Because by definition, as you're talking to your prospects from the thought leadership perspective, you're also letting them get to know, like, and trust you, and those prospects may turn into customers, that's a good reason to write a book. Mm 
right, if you're using it as a tool to get new business, right? But the tool is you're doing it while you're writing. You're not, you don't wait to the end and hope. <laughs> okay. So, sorry, you just gave me this aha. I thought I had to get it out. <laughs> so talking about social media in five minutes a day. Now, I, I'm going to give you the, the recipe, and the recipe applies whether or not it's five minutes a day, ten minutes a day, or an hour a day, or whatever the time frame is. And in some cases, less is more, but zero, if you live in the world today, zero social media is not acceptable. Mm. Okay, is that controversial? No. Well, let's just say if, if you work for somebody else and you expect to work for somebody else your entire life and you, you know you're going to keep that job your entire life and no matter what happens, that company will never go out of business, you'll never get fired, you'll always like your boss, that's a person who could actually not do social media. But if you don't fit in that category, the, the thing that's relevant about social media, what's very cool about social media, is the social part of it. Not the media part, but the social part. The media part lets you, with your microphone and your video camera and your, your, your camera, you can actually talk to anyone in the world. That's kind of cool. But the social part is really where it's appropriate. And you may be making friends with people who may ultimately be your boss or somebody who works for you. When I wake up, so I, I work out of my garage and there are days that I will never even leave my garage. Although virtually I may have traveled to at least anywhere between two to 10 countries. Cause I've got, I've got clients, I have prospects, I have people who work for me all around the world. And when I'm traveling, I'll typically travel on Zoom, sometimes Skype, and I'll talk to people in other parts of the world. And I talk to them like they're next door. That's what the media part is appropriate with. The social part is people. So let's talk about the formula for social media in five minutes a day. So when you wake up in the morning, what I suggest is you spend one minute just sharing a couple pieces of content, whether or not that content is uh, an article you read that you liked or a couple of aha messages. And I'll give you a hint. At ahathat.com, we have 44,000 aha messages, and the platform is free to use, free to share. So if you want content to share, you can go to ahathat.com. But wherever you grab your content, wake up in the morning and share one, two, or three pieces of content, whatever you could do in a minute. So if it's social media in five, min five minutes a day, that's 20% of your time on the media part, right? Because if you think about social media, there are two words. The word social is more important than the word media. So mm. then just walk away for a couple minutes or a couple hours, depending on how, how many users and followers you have, and come back a couple hours later or come back in the afternoon and spend 80% of your time, four minutes, touching the people who touch your content. Right, because here's something to think about. If you're in your office, and whether it's an office or a cubicle or whatever, and somebody brings you a cup of coffee or, or picks up the, the uh, print job that you sent to the printer and they drop it on your desk, what are you going to do? You're going to say thank you. If somebody comes over to you and says, hey, how was your weekend? You know, did you like the game? You're going you're to respond. You're going to say, oh, yes or no, or whatever it was. Hey, did you see the recent movie? You're going to talk to them. So how come on social media, when people love our stuff, like our stuff, share our stuff, forward our stuff, we ignore them? That's not being social. So what I'm getting at is if, if you post stuff in the morning and people respond to that stuff, uh, either think or respond or interact with the people who touch your content. Because if, if I, I don't know about you, but the people I know, if I continue to do a favor for somebody and I never get a thank you, I'm going to stop doing that favor. Right. That's true. Yeah. So that's kind of thing. So whether or not it's five minutes a day where you're spending a minute in the morning and four minutes in the afternoon or more, when you think about what you do on social media, try to make sure that 80% of the time you're on social media, you're actually being social. And by social, it's the thanking the people for interacting with you or doing the types of things that are relevant or – you know, some of the things that are nice is if somebody's uh, 
parent passed away or somebody is in the hospital doing something that's beyond the uh, the love or the emoji or whatever it is, maybe even sending something in the physical world to them because you saw that happen on social and you may not have seen it otherwise, right? It's it's doing the above and beyond things to demonstrate that you, going back to the no like, and trust, that you have integrity and authenticity and you care about other people and, and you do that and go that extra extra mile for them. I love that and am working to get better on that part because I'm not going to lie. Uh, sometimes it gets over, overwhelming, so to speak. Like sometimes I just have like or love time. And unless someone shares a video, then I purposely go and say thank you for sharing, put a smiley face or something of that nature. Um, But I'm trying to be more conscious of interacting with people because at the end of the day, people do feel like they know you. Mm. (laughs) You know, they do feel like um, they, they know you. So what is and if they're watching my video, of course, they like me and, you know, that I'll lose trust if I'm like, you shared it, no big deal, you know, but versus if I say, hey, thank you so much for sharing, that lets people not paying attention. That's real world experience. What's your yeah. favorite social media platform? Mm, that's a great question. So what I have to say, it depends on the context, right? Mm. So... So what, what I often will say, and, I, and I'll, I'll say this now, and you can do it at the end if you want, but what I, what I often say is, listen, if you want to contact me, first you can go to ahathat.com slash author, and that has our three-step writing process. If you want to interact with me directly, just Google my name. So it's Mitchell, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L, last name Levy, L-E-V-Y. And what the social media companies do is they spend hundreds of millions of dollars making sure that your name and their site come up. And feel free to connect yeah. to me on a site that's relevant to you. So if it's LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Snapchat, uh, Instagram, just connect to me on the site that's relevant. And you'll see a different part of my personality on each. You know, if it's pure business, uh, the, the site that often uh, is, is my default will just be LinkedIn. The first thing that happens when I meet somebody new is I'm going to go to their LinkedIn and look at their LinkedIn profile. And I'm going to, if I really am interested in them, I'm going to see how many recommendations they have. And if I, even that next step, I'm going to read some of the recommendations they've received, and I'm going to read the verbiage of the recommendations they've given others. All right? That gives me a really good flavor for the types of words and the type of person that is and what they, what they're interested in. Uh, If it's, Somebody who's really, for me, if it's somebody who's really high in the organization or, or a real big thought leader in life, and I get an opportunity to connect them on Facebook, oh, I'm really interested in that. Because on LinkedIn, it's all business, basically, all the time. Right. On Facebook, that's when you see some of the family stuff. And, and as I mentioned, I take, a, I take a trip every year. So we're, we're out of the country every year for four or five weeks. And, and there are people I may not have talked to for years. And by the way, this always scares me, but, but I, I always accept <laughs> it. And they'll come to me and they'll talk to me about my, tr- my, la- my recent trips. I don't even, even know if I remember my recent trips, but they'll tell me about the time that I was in this country or that country. And I'm, I'm always so, yes, I'm scared, but I'm also so honored that I was able to, to provide some information in somebody's life that they got to enjoy in, in, a, in a way – so much so that they remembered, right? And so I, I do like Facebook as well. Um, Twitter, I, I mean, I've made money on each of the social media sites because if you actually interact with somebody, uh, I've actually read somebody's tweet and I go, oh, my God, that is so insightful. And so I'll respond to the tweet and say, man, I love that tweet. That's so amazing. Can we talk? Right, and then it's about being social and having that conversation. Um, and then Snap, Snap, I really like, but it's really with a very close circle of people who, who may or may not have been good friends before we started snapping, but after uh, even a week or two of snapping, 
the, the level of trust has grown significantly. And so different platforms are used for different reasons and for different things. If you're in a company that has visual products, by definition, uh, you're going to be using Pinterest, but, but Instagram really dwarfs in terms of the ability to, to grab an audience and reach them and share what you do. And so, like I said, every, every platform is different and used for different purposes. I love, love it. As I, I'm, me and LinkedIn, we're like third cousins. We're working on a closer relationship. Me and Twitter, <laughs> I'm best that cousin I don't even know I'm related to. You know, so um, <laughs> yeah, I try to put things in simplistic terms. Uh, oh, I, I know, love it. I'm, I'm, I'm working on um, on those on you know my favorites tend to be Facebook and Instagram, and um, then I pay attention to what's going on social media wise. My son, a lot of the audience know I have a 21-year-old son. I'm on his Snapchat because him and his friends think I'm very entertaining and kind of cool. However, I'm not on Snapchat as my own page. Uh, we're working on that. Because <laughs> they'll say, Mom, you don't, need your, you don't need your own Snapchat. I know because then I'll be able to see what you're Snapchatting of me doing around the house. Uh, it's very interesting. Oh, I, so so can I can I can I uh, yeah, can I add something? So uh, mm-hmm. for a long time, my son, my son's only social media that he really likes. If you look at his Facebook wall, every every picture in his Facebook wall is something that his dad posted. Um, so he doesn't really uh, use Facebook, but he's a heavy Snap right. fan. And yeah. for a long time, he didn't want to be connected to me. And one day, and let me say exactly 252 days ago. He said that we can connect. And so him and I have a 200, at the moment, 252-day streak on, uh, on Snapchat. And it's kind of cool to be able to share a single point in time. Basically what that means for a 30-second period during the day, you've shared a piece of your life with somebody else. And it's a powerful statement. And so I've got, a, I've got a, about a dozen Snapchat buddies that I'm following their daily lives, which is kind of cool. I'm going to have um, to, to have a discussion with my son again about allowing <laughs> and showing his mother how to use Snapchat. But I'm going to add this before we close out the show, um, because something that you said, um, because that age group, your son is 20 minus 21. That age group is is really not um, into Facebook anymore. They're, they are not even Instagramming anymore. They are Snapchatting. So if that is your, if you're a thought leader and that is your uh, audience, and you're on Facebook, you're missing your audience. Right. Well I said. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, let's, we'll make it more generic. Uh, very well said. And that is, and, and that's why I make the statement I state, make, and that is regardless of, of what you like personally, if you have an audience you're, you're interacting with, you need to talk to your audience in the platform that they want to talk to you. And sometimes mm. that platform is tell when I when, by the way, just so you know, my my clients, which are CEOs of larger companies, and, and this is I'm not a big fan, but in order for me to connect with them, I have to text them. Because that's how they interact. They're so busy with everything else and nobody has their cell phone number. So if they give me their cell phone number, it's it's like gold and, and so when I want to talk to them, I have to remember that text is the way to go. It's not a bad thing. I it's not my natural outcome. It's not, it's not my natural go-to, uh, but for certain people, that's what you have to do. And so, once again, if you're in business, you want to talk to the people the way that your clients want to be spoken to. Love that. And I already have that big business mindset because someone wants to do business with me, they know they need to text me. <laughs> so I'm There we I'm, go. Well, you're already, on you're well on your way to your yeah, exactly. You're well on your way there. <laughs> Mr. The, the reason Mr. I gave, Mitchell, just how, you know, that, okay. oh, I was going to say, the reason I gave that number $100 million, um, I've sat on the board of a, a public company. I've seen lots of companies. That's about the time where the CEO could truly divorce themselves from being the chief rainmaker. 
So that's where that number comes from. That's that's my goal. I want to, you know, live on the road in an in a, in an RV and just travel and see the world. Uh, so that's my goal figure. I'm just gonna leave that's a beautiful that. Goal. So I'm gonna have to have to stop writing books and just put out ahas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that works, and we should tell the world about that. Okay. <laughs> yes. And, Mr. Mitchell, how can the audience find out more about you, connect with you, um, and find out all things AHA? Yeah, so, uh, once again, what, I, what I'll suggest is please go to ahabat.com, sign up for an account. It's free to sign up. It's free to use. It's free to share. And, and largely what you're doing is you're learning aha messages from some amazing authors from around the world, and you're sharing with your audience content that they will find interesting, of course, if you find it interesting. So that's at ahathat.com. You're interested in either writing a book yourself. We have a uh, three-step process that takes eight hours or so to write. Or if you want us to write for you, you can go to ahathat.com slash author. And I've got, we've got video testimonials, and, and we've got a three-step process, and it's all laid out, and it's easy to take a look at it and do. And I'm happy to uh, have a Zoom call or a telephone call with you and just show you how this is relevant for you and how things work. And, and at the moment, I'm still finding enough time to be able to do that in the interviews. My team does the rest of the work. Um, if you want to connect to me on social, please just Google my name and connect to me on the platform that's relevant for you. So Google Mitchell Levy, and then connect to me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus, Snap, or Instagram, and uh, happy to uh, interact with you that way. And maybe at some point in time, I'm either on your show or we help you do a book or something happens where we get to interact, and uh, I look forward to that. Yay. Well, thank you so (laughs) much, Mr. Mitchell. Um, I've definitely learned a lot, and that's what I'm going to say. With that being said, kings and queens, pens and papers down, class is officially over. Make sure you connect with our guest. His information will be on the Define You Radio's Facebook page. Until next time, remember your past doesn't define you. It gives you definition, and it's up to you what you do with that. Have a great night. Oh, you are awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Define You Radio. Make sure you connect with the show at www.defineuradio.com. Pins and papers down. Class dismissed.